Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm feeling really good. This is technically your yeah. first interview. Yes. Have you been waiting to talk? I'm definitely excited now that I can. Everybody's 18. That also means something important for you. Yes, I am free. Free! There's no more custody court. Right. We're done. It's over. Today. It's over. I call today Emancipation Day. No offense, honey, I love you. <laughs> it's just a big relief. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, a very activated and frankly pissed off Cara Berry. So we're going to have to address this because um, one thing about me is that like I need to get things off of my chest before I'm able to move on. And so I'm going to have to get this off my chest. I'm going to start off um, pretty gentle. And I'm just like, this actually is something that I wanted to say, but it's like hard to um, express it because I don't want to come off like annoying. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And so like, I know it's a delicate line to talk about um, the relationship between podcasters and their listeners. And so I hope you will hear me when I say this part, because I don't want to come off as like, like you guys don't like me like I like I don't want to be like I'm I don't want anybody to come out of this thinking like I'm too sensitive um you might feel that way in the second part but that'll be your problem (laughs) not mine um but I I have always like had this kicking in the back of my mind but it's hard to navigate that like I said because I don't want to come off like I am just like like I can't handle criticism or anything like that like overly sensitive whatever but here's a thing that I, I think a lot of people don't quite understand. Um, you know, podcasting for many of the people that you listen to 
I assume it's not just me, but myself included, um, is a job. It's a stream of income and it is very unique in the sense that you guys have a pretty decent hand into, um, making money in the long run. And so I would just consider, I would like for people to consider the impacts of writing negative reviews if they're not like absolutely necessary and it's just like something that you didn't care for. I have written negative reviews before. Um, All of them have had to do with people being like racist or misogynistic or spreading harmful information recklessly, okay? If I just don't like a episode, the subject matter of that episode, um, a guest, um, then I typically just move on because I know that like Apple reviews, podcast, Spotify reviews do affect you. And like, you know, I think about other people who have like quote unquote real jobs who like, you know, Somebody might complain about you, but it's going to be pretty rare. And it's also more than likely not going to affect your check at the end of the day, right? And I do understand like this is a public forum. I'm putting myself out there to actively be criticized. I totally get that. I don't expect everybody to love me. I don't expect everybody to love every guest I have, but I would like people to at least consider, um, Like when you're typing that, like, I didn't like this, is it really worth affecting somebody's income at the end of the day? That's all I would like people to consider. And I hope that I said that in a way that's people that people understand and doesn't come off as me, like unable to take it on the chin because I can. Uh, There are a lot of podcasts or a lot of reviews that I get that are not great. And I don't address them on the show. I just move on with my life, even though they're stupid, (laughs) frankly, (laughs) and arbitrary. (laughs) But with that being said, um, one of you took things to a level that like it was every bridge in New York too far for me. I'm talking the Midtown, the 59th Street Bridge, Verrazano, Williamsburg, Manhattan, Brooklyn, other ones that I can't think of. Okay. Um, Here's the thing. Somebody decided to write a review and say like, oh, you know, like I like the podcast, but I don't like a lot of, or some of the guests. Okay. Okay, fine. Whack, but okay, fine. That is a perfectly fine opinion. Like I'm not going to take that from you. Where you went too far is that you specified that you don't like my sister my flesh and blood. And even if she wasn't the sister that I've has been in my life for my 36 years. Okay. She's older. We won't have to get into how much older she is, but there is a significant difference. I'm the baby. That's you know, that has nothing to do with anything. Okay. She's perfect. Okay. My sister, I care about very much. Um, I don't know what your family dynamic is about, but let me tell you something about my family. We're as thick as thieves. And so for you to get on Al Gore's internet, Rihanna's internet, and to say that you don't like my sister, is it crack baby? 
<laughs> is it crack? I like, bro, that's too far. That's too far. Like, I don't give a fuck what you think about my sister. That is my family. And if you don't like her on a podcast, don't listen to it. But actually, for you who wrote that negative review, I'm going to tell you, don't ever listen to my shit again. Because I am her. She is me. If you don't like her, you don't like me. And if you don't want access to her, you don't deserve access to me. And that's just how it goes. I like that is so wild to me that you thought it would be okay to be like, I don't like your sister. And what did you think I was going to do? Never have her on again. Actually, I'm, you know, I'm almost going to tell her, uh, Hey girl, why don't you just be my standing guest on married at first sight next season? I don't even want to do the damn podcast on married at first sight, but you know what? Just to piss you off, I'm going to see, uh, what it is that she can do to be on as much as possible. Okay. Okay. How's that? Is that what you like? You're not going to know because you're not going to listen to my podcast, but just know, just know, like you talk about my family. Like I'm, that is wild to me. Like you really typed that out and thought that it was going to be okay. You, You don't have to like any guys, but don't say shit about my family. Not a damn thing. Okay. Nothing. N O T H I N G. Okay. I'm going to take a quick breath. We'll get on with the rest of the show. Hey guys, it's normal Kara here, the one that you're used to. So everybody who's allowed to listen to this podcast, welcome. And we're going to talk about something. I'm not going to say we're going to have fun because once I look back at these notes, I'm like, damn, all these stories are pretty fucking dark. So it would probably be in my best interest to right off the bat, uh, give a trigger warning I'm going to be talking about the Duggars, so any type of abuse that you can think of, the Duggars have done it in spades, so there'll be that. Um, But I think that might be, it'll also be talking about a little bit about the Gosselin. So this is kind of a TLC-heavy chat here. I'm also going to be talking, what, Kardashians, um, maybe some Real World Homecoming if I get time. Uh, but don't worry if I don't talk about it this week, I'll definitely, uh, pick up back next week. Um, but we'll see, we'll just see what, what happens. Right. So, um, a little couple announcements, check me out. I did a princess's podcast by pumpkin last week. We talked about, um, a fun little one season wonder experiment called black and white. Um, it was about a two families, one white couple, one black couple who get makeup to dress like the other person's race and, uh, live together and see what happens. And, um, not good. I would say if you don't like the N word, definitely don't listen to that episode, <laughs> but definitely check out by pumpkin. It was a fun, fun conversation. Also talk to Sophie Ross. She has a podcast called So True. I don't think it's out now, but I do believe it will be out on Tuesday. So why don't you go ahead and click subscribe and you'll just see it pop up on your phone or whatever device and you won't even have to worry about it. So yeah, buy Pumpkin and So True podcast this week. Um, Also, if you want to check the episode description, I do have a link to um, Mutual Aid 
uh, GoFundMe for uh, the tragedy that happened in Buffalo. Um, so yeah, hopefully they should have links to other uh, programs and stuff that you can donate to. I know that they're doing like a food bank situation right now. So yeah, that GoFundMe link will be in the episode description. All right, let's talk about this week. The girl is going to all of us, okay? <laughs> We're old, you guys. The Gosselin sex tuplets turned 18 last week. 18. 18 years old. I still remember, emblazoned into the back of my brain, you guys remember this, that they used to do specials before they had their TV show, John and Kate Plus 8, but they kept playing a scene of when Kate was pregnant with the sex tuplets and she's sitting in a hospital bed and she like moves her stomach over. <laughs> oh, all those babies. My God. So yeah, they're 18, you guys. And I truly can't believe it. Like, where are we? Where are we? Well, let's talk. I, I saw an interview and I actually thought this was pretty interesting. So if you guys don't know, Two of the kids, two of the sex tuplets live with John. The other four live with Kate. Maddie and Kara, the twins, are in college. And it's a little bit complicated. Um, from my understanding, Maddie and Kara, the twins, don't speak to John. Um, I also believe that the sex tuplets might be uh, estranged in terms of like which kids are living with which parent. Um, Colin had over the past few years had what we were told were behavioral issues. I don't know if John agrees, but, um, he was sent to like a boarding school or something like that. He ended up getting out and living with John and now Hannah also lives with John. Um, yeah, like I said, from my understanding, those kids don't really talk with each other. It's strained to say the least, which is really, really unfortunate. But so Hannah had her birthday. They, she and John went down to Miami to the sugar factory to celebrate her birthday and also a launch of makeup that she's coming out with called Goslin Girl. <laughs> really should have thought about the longevity of the name, but you know, this is probably just a cash grab. Let the crazy kids do whatever they want. Right. Um, but she did an interview with E.T., she and John, and there were some interesting insights that she had into her life. So first they asked if uh, Hannah, they asked Hannah if she's ever seen the show. She's like, uh, no, I haven't been able to watch it because uh, it's $30 per season and I'm just not trying to pay <laughs> three bucks an episode to watch it. She's like, you know, I've seen clips and stuff and I think it's really cool that like I can see... Uh, you know, me and my siblings interacting so young, but no, she says she hasn't really seen any full episodes, which is like, girl, you guys should just be like emailing TLC to get that footage. Like there's no, it does not make sense that the people who created the content should have to pay to then view their own lives. Like that's fucked up. So they also asked her how, you know, like, cause they had trust, set up for them that would they would have access to once they turned 18 from the money they made on the show. And she says that she doesn't know how much it is, but her plan was always to put that money towards her college tuition. And so that's what she's going to do. <sighs> Prayers up that she has enough money to do that um, comfortably. 
because she deserves it. And what else? Oh, um, so they asked her, like, why do you live John? live with John? Why, why do you live with your dad? And she made several good points. She said, first of all, very interesting, because if you guys watch those shows in the early days, it seemed very much like Hannah and Kate had a very, very close bond. But she said, I've always been closer to my dad. And so it just made sense. But then she brought up some great points about how, you know, in when there are so many kids, it's in one house, it's damn near impossible to get any sort of peace or individual time with a parent. And so it was just, it seemed like a practical and logical thing for her to do. I never really thought about, well, I had thought about that. Like you always think with all these kids, like how do these parents manage any sort of quality time with them? But for her to like acknowledge that is, it's sad. It's really sad. Then she said that she didn't even get a call from Kate on her birthday. She got a text and the text was like, I love you and whatever. But it was like, it sounded like a text that you would get from like your aunt or something like not something that you would get from your own mother, which really, I mean, throughout the years, it's really hard not to side with John (laughs) in many ways. Like make no mistake, he's a total dipshit, but I mean, if she feels like this is the right situation for me, then I find that very interesting. I really, really do. All right, moving on. Let's talk about some Duggar shit because so many stories came out last week. I just feel like maybe I hadn't been paying attention, but a few things happened last week and oh my God, like I am, like it's so hard for me to be speechless, especially when it comes to like the depths and depravity of this family. I can always find a word, usually, or three, but this really shocked me to my core, and I know many of you guys saw that on my Instagram, and I have probably, that was probably one of the most comments I've ever gotten on a post, so, ooh, before we get into that, let's get into the other stories. So, I'm, you know, a honorary lawyer, but I don't know all the technicalities, so I read through this article, and this is what I gleaned. The girls, the girls who had been sexually assaulted by Josh, um, sued their police department for leaking the files and evidence that, um, about Josh's initial abuse of them. Um, those reports got leaked and they sued the, uh, police department for emotional distress. The suit was later dropped due to insufficient evidence and, because of that, they wanted certain things to not, they wanted certain things to be sealed. Um, finances. And there was some other thing that will come up in a later, a little bit, but the defendants were like, no, um, we need to have these files unsealed because it might, uh, you know, be part of this emotional distress claim. So they used, a deposition that Derek, Jill, the old, not the oldest daughter, but the oldest married daughter, uh, the first daughter to get married, um, they did a deposition back last year, almost a year ago. Um, so the court papers said during this deposition that they, Derek and Jill don't have an income. He's in law school. I think he may have just graduated. Um, 
but they didn't make any money off the show. They were never given any money from the show. Um, Jim Bob would hoard all the money. I mean, this stuff we pretty much all knew that they made like anywhere between like around $30,000 an episode, give or take. And he pocketed it all. Um, years ago, Jill and Derek decided to, you know, go to court for their fair share of the money or at least hers. Um, and she said that it basically amounted to working a minimum wage job, but they took it because they're like flat broke. Broke to the point where they're having to get, like, neighbors are giving them food. They're in food banks. They're, you know, community banks from the church. Like, they can't afford to really make ends meet. And they also have another child on the way. So also the four sisters would have requested that evidence related to their relationship with their parents, Jim, Bob, and Michelle, be excluded because they claimed that it had no relevance to the case. But in the defendant's response, they claimed that their allegation of emotional distress opens the door to inquiries into their lives, including the relationship with the parents. So they also noticed that in a court filing, they claim that Jill is the only family member who sought any sort of therapy or counseling outside of a... Uh, following the release of those reports and the papers go on to say questions about the plaintiff's forgiveness of their brother, including their refusal to sue him are also relevant to the primary claim for damages in this case, mental, in this case, mental anguish and emotional distress. Unlike most who claim to have been sexually assaulted, the plaintiffs in this case were forced to live with their alleged assailant for years after their respective assaults. Um, the plaintiffs were also not provided treatment or at least adequate treatment. None of them can even recall the name of the counselor. They vaguely recall talking to once as a group and with their mother's attendance. So this is pretty much what we all knew, even though those poor girls went on. Who's that? Oh, that vile woman on. We don't even need to get him. The one who thinks that Santa can't be black. Um, but they went on there and were like, oh, you know, we've received help, blah, blah, blah. So now these courts are saying that it was one time, one therapy session that was given to these four girls who were sexually assaulted by their brother. They had one session as a group with Michelle in attendance. Like, they may as well not have even done it, you know? Like, clearly their mother did not uh, provide, or their fire, father, any sort of space, safe space. So, like, why even bother? Wh you know? <laughs> The files go on to say that no real measures were taken by their parents to ensure their safety during the remainder of their adolescence. And then it goes on to say that Jill and Derek entered a uh, couple's treatment because they were going through some issues with her family, especially Jim Bob, regarding a lack of boundaries related to contractual concerns. So according to the papers, Jill said that she did a preliminary psychological situation and she saw a whole new side to my dad once my husband and I started making decisions that were the best for our family but not in my father's best interest sadly I realized he had become pretty controlling fearful and reactionary he was verbally abusive our relationship is not good it got pretty toxic we occasionally text on a family group thread but I don't feel comfortable being around him and just hanging out it isn't good for my mental health right now and she had previously claimed that Jim Bob had set some rules for her um, and was like, you can't come over to our house unless another adult is present. But you know who was living on that property until he got arrested? Their fucking uh, sexual predator ass son who was actively 
proven to be assaulting children. Like I <laughs> imagine how imagine how you would feel. You're a victim while your assaulter is your brother and is getting treated like nothing's wrong with him, but you you can't be around children unattended. I'll be damned. Which leads me to that motherfucker, that sick, sick, twisted bitch, Josh. He's, um, he was found guilty earlier this year of um, all the disgusting things that he did. So he has not been sentenced yet. His sentencing is due uh, May 25th. So next week, right? Um, the, his lawyers... His defense team filed its uh, something called a sentencing memorandum, um, including character references from Michelle and his wife, Anna. I, <laughs> you guys are not going to believe this. So you will believe this. They're advocating for leniency for Josh to get a lighter sentence. I'm just going to read to you these letters. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to scream. I'm literally going to scream. Okay. So this one is from Michelle. Um, Your honor. Hello. I'm writing this letter in regards to the sentencing of my son, Joshua Duggar. My, this man, you know what he did. Okay. Just Google it. If you don't know what he did, it's the worst, the lowest of the low shit. I am writing this letter in regards to the sentencing of my son, Joshua Duggar. My heart is to share some things about Joshua's character that may not be fully known to the court. It is my sincere hope that these things are taken into consideration as a fair and just sentence is determined. Leading up to the sentencing day, I want to make clear that Joshua has friends and families who will love and support him in his abilities to succeed as a husband, father, business owner, and a man, both now and in the future! Exclamation point. Really? Because um didn't seem like those family and friends did much for him then when he got caught with images of child sex abuse on his work computer. Then this ramen noodle headed bitch goes on to say Joshua has a tender heart and he is compassionate towards others. If someone's having a difficult time, he's the first one to encourage or try and help them in a tangible way. He and his wife and children have helped many others by doing cleaning and repair projects and lending a helping hand. Joshua has always been a positive and upbeat person. He's wise financially, saving money for the future and purposing not to go into debt. He's a good provider for his family, working diligently and thinking of creative ways to support and take care of his wife and children. Yeah. 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 We all know about his job. The job that he was caught procuring images of child sex abuse on. We know all about uh, his, you know, I, I, you know, I would really stray from some key uh, uh, phrases like talking about how creative he is and how he always finds a way. Yeah, that's how he found his way um a workaround for the Covenant Eyes program that was going to keep him from watching porn. Otherwise, his wife would get alerted. That's how creative. Uh, the creativity of that man to find a workaround for a program and to just have a blast looking at kids doing God knows what. Uh, just being horribly abused. Yeah, that's really creative. We know that he has an, an ingenious mind. 
He's also generous and shares his resources with others in need. One example of his heart to help others is that Joshua has been giving financial assistance to a widow friend of ours for several years. On a personal level, Joshua is an organized and diligent individual. He has set a good example of applying himself eagerly to his work and in the many other responsibilities that he carries as a husband and a father and an abuser and a pedophile. Joshua is a loving and patient man, striving to be a blessing and provide for his family. He's also spent quality time with his wife and children, having built forts, learned how to work on bicycles and other vehicles, gone camping, hiked fish, and played countless games and sports together. This bitch, <laughs> she wants a pedophile to be free from jail because he knows how to make a damn pillow fort and uh, cut coupons. I, I, I... <laughs> okay, I'm not even done yet. As I look to his return, <clears throat> I stand ready to offer my continued love and encouragement to Joshua and his family and for their success in the future. Together, we ask that he be reunited with his family and his wife in a timely manner. Thank you, Your Honor, for taking these thoughts into consideration. We implore your wisdom, wisdom, for a just decision in this matter. You, She's asking him to be wise. <clears throat> Boo! Thank you for your time. Respectfully, Michelle A. Duggar. And if it could not get more psychotic enough, she draws a heart over the eye in Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) No words. No fucking words. Okay, moving on to what his wife Anna said. Like, girl, sick. Sick! I'm writing regarding my husband, Joshua Duggar, who will come before you for sentencing. As a spouse of more than 13 years, thank you for taking the time to allow me to share about the man I know and love. You don't know this man, and you don't love him. You don't know what love is, girl. You've been brainwashed. Joshua and I met nearly 16 years ago. As our friendship grew over the next two years, I saw what I know to be an even more true today. The Joshua is considerate, respectful, quick to forgive, patient, and genuinely the kindest person I know. We were happily married on September 26, 2008. If this is the best person you know in your life, baby. <laughs> Again, I would not have put that in writing. During our first few years of marriage, Joshua and I enjoyed working together at our used car lot in Springdale, the one that he got caught up in. There, I admired my husband's diligence in his work and also his perspective that people are more important than a quick sale. Joshua would often spend hours of his day chatting and listening to various homeless people who would pass by on the sidewalk, and many of our customers also became our friends. It didn't matter who you were or where you came from. Joshua cared for the person because they created... They are created in the image of God, and that's what determines their value, not their social status. Well, you know what? Think of all the the value that you that your husband stripped away from these children. Think of how valued they feel when they've been repeatedly abused every time he opens his computer to look at whatever horrific things they were forced to do. I mean, the level of delusion, like I can't even let me just skip, okay. <laughs> She talks about how the children, the happiest day of, the happiest part of the day for the children is when daddy comes home. Do they know what he is in jail for? I mean, do do they know what he got convicted for? Like, 
this is sick. This is sick. Um, she goes on to say that she relies on Joshua for financial, emotional, physical support, blah, blah, blah. Then she goes, <clears throat> Joshua embodies a quote from Ronald Reagan. There's no limit to the amount of good that you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Joshua is quick to step in and do whatever he can to be a team builder and help others accomplish their goals without ever needing to receive recognition or praise. Oh, well, good for you, Joshua. That's so good. You shouldn't be in jail because you're nice to people and you talk to unhoused people. And I realize, you know, that was your choice, girl. Like, I don't have any empathy for Anna anymore. I do not. I, I do not. I understand that she is in a shitty situation. She did not have a chance choice but to get married to this man. But at this point, you have now seven children and I get it. You feel like I don't have a choice but to rely on this person. But this person didn't give a fuck about you or your kids when he did what he did. And frankly, you are so much better off without him. Without any sort of like they don't even need to be communicating. I don't need him to be calling. Don't be calling the kids and asking how their day was. Don't be asking me shit. I, it's like, it's beyond. It's beyond. And like, I know that there are going to be people who would be like, oh, Carrie, you should have empathy for her because, you know, this is basically like she was resigned to this. But, you know, you have children, seven children now are in this fucked up situation because their dad is a sicko and you won't let go of him and that's where my empathy is obliterated so i'm gonna shout out can i get a hell yes going to amy duggar okay if you guys watch that show you'll know that amy was like the more worldly cousin she was still very Christian, but like she wasn't the one, she didn't have to wear prairie skirts and like she got to listen to like modern country music, okay? Like she was like the, you know, oh, the different one, right? Um, so she is now totally over this family. She has popped the fuck off on Anna on Twitter and was like, you sick bitch, like get out of here. And also on, on uh, TikTok. She went on TikTok and is like, it breaks my heart that you are acting like these kids need their daddy home when their daddy's not safe. And then she goes on as like to uh, Anna, this is a choice that you're making. You're choosing to live your life tethered to this man. It's okay to be with an abuser. Oh, sorry. Then she goes on and is like, you know, basically like, fuck this. You're showing your kids everything that's wrong, that it's okay to be with an abuser and to act like you should love them and harbor them in your home. So like, shout out to you, Anna, Amy. Not you, Anna, Amy, for for saying it. Because, you know, one thing about that family is they will not tell the truth. They will not. And thank God that one of them was able to. Oh, my God. All right, you guys, I'm going to have to ask for your forgiveness. Not for what I said earlier. It'll never be for that, okay? And hopefully, I'm, I'm really hoping that, like, at least most of you guys understand where I'm coming from and how that, like, was not cool. But we'll, I'm not going to continue on that. With that being said, I'm going to give you guys a choice. Maybe. Maybe. So I'm thinking, because this is part two of the Summer House reunion, let me know if you would rather I recap 
last week and this upcoming week's episode of Real Home, Real World Homecoming New Orleans instead. Um, if I do, it'll have to be out on Thursday because I think the episodes come out on Wednesday. I doubt that I will be able to have the turnaround for that. So um, let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. And before we go into this uh, recap of the Kardashians, I wanted to talk about something that like, I just went back to find y'all. The shit is scrubbed. It, it, I can't find any evidence of it on Twitter and I can't find any evidence of it on TikTok to the point where I'm now wondering if I am being gaslit by myself and that like this whole thing um, didn't actually happen and I didn't witness this. But you know what? The Kardashian, the Kardashian machine is strong. And so I feel very strongly that this actually happened. Um, but I can't see the shit. So here's the thing. Um, I was going on scrolling on TikTok and I happened upon this random chick who said she lives in LA. She moved to LA. She wanted to be in the entertainment industry, met this dude who she said was verified on Instagram, had celebrity followers, seemed pretty legit, right? We are talking about, I guess, whatever. And he's asked her how she feels about Kylie and excuse me, Jenner, not Minogue. And she says, oh, you know, like I love her, whatever. Right. And so he proposes that, um, Kylie and Travis were looking for a third to join them a couple months, a couple times out of the month. Um, they will be compensated and it's just going to be like an easy breezy fun time. Right. So the girl's like, well, I'm going to have to pass on that because this isn't really like what I'm looking to be in the industry for, but thank you. So the guy says, well, how do you feel about Zayn Malik? She's like, well, Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit longer, but I'm still going to have to pass. Right. <laughs> so, um, obviously somebody was like, bitch, quick happen, like give us some receipts. Right. And so she did a part two in which she, um, said, you know, this was an in-person conversation conversation. So she didn't have that, but what she did have was the text message, uh, screenshot that she had with a girlfriend of hers. It was like, Oh my God. And it basically said exactly what she said about Travis and Kylie. Right. Um, and then she posted a screen recording of, uh, apparently, allegedly this Instagram conversation with the guy who was like, okay, so are we like a definite no on the Zane thing? Right. Um, so that was pretty much all the evidence I needed, but I swear you guys, I put the link in the notes and I'm clicking and I'm like, that's weird. Did I accidentally copy the wrong link? And I go again, I'm like, oh, this is a different video. And I go back again. I'm like, oh, this is a different video. So like TikTok has this thing where I'm assuming if something gets taken down, they just like put you in a random, they just like show you a random video. So then I'm like typing in Kylie Travis threesome into Twitter, Kylie Travis Thruple. Yes, I'm a 36 year old woman, but I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't crazy. Nothing. There are three tweets. And this is shocking. Just like a handful of tweets talking about Kylie and Travis, like having a threesome or being in a throuple. Not a thing. I cannot find that then girl's videos. I wish I had written down her username, but I thought the shit would still be there. So if you find it, maybe I'm crazy. Let me know if you find it. I would be grateful, but I can't sh find the shit anywhere and I can't find it on the Twitter search either. So all of this is alleged. 
Jenner communications don't come for me. This is just what I saw. And I hope you, somebody else saw it too. <laughs> Confirm to me if you also saw that on your TikTok algorithm, because I'm feeling weird right now. But anyway, um, yeah, the rest of the episode is going to be a recap of Kardashians on Hulu. So thank you guys so much for listening. Let me know again what you would write, like for me to do uh, for Wednesday slash Thursday's episode. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Loves her, and she deserves it because there were so many years that I didn't put her first. I'm so hungry. This is, makes me happy. This year on my favorite. Hey guys, let's talk about the latest episode, episode five of the Kardashians on Hulu. Um, can you guys let me know if you guys are actually enjoying watching the show? Um, I am. <laughs> I really am. I mean, I kind of figured that by the time we got to episode five, it would be like super boring and whatever. And listen, it's not like the upper echelon of entertainment but for me as somebody who always wants to know about like what the relationship dynamics are with reality stars behind the scenes and off camera this gave us a lot of insight especially when it had to do with Scott and the rest of the family um so before I get into the uh recap I want to shout out to Sophie Ross who Good on you, girl, because you realized that, okay, so this episode takes over, takes place over like the course of a few weeks. It starts with Kim's birthday, which is in October, and there's a lot of mention of, excuse me, Chris's birthday is the focal point later in the episode. She is born in November, and Sophie realized uh, Chris's birthday was the same night as Astroworld, <laughs> and so... If you didn't watch the episode, I think with that knowledge, it might be more interesting to viewers to know when you have that little piece of information, how they 
navigated this episode, what was taken out, what was just like ignored. I mean, there's scenes of Kendall going to Miami and it doesn't make any sense why it's in the episode, but then you're like, oh, they had to scrap a bunch of footage because of Travis or yeah, Travis and Astroworld and, um, whew, yikes. So like I said, the episode begins with Kim. So she's on try three of, um, passing the baby bar and she says that she, okay. So on keeping up with the Kardashians, the e-show, she took the baby bar for the second time and she had also gotten COVID. Um, but on this show, she talks about how the real reason why she didn't pass the bar the second time was because she was planning her 40th birthday and that was like sort of more of a priority. But now that it's her 41st birthday and she's about to take the baby bar again, She's like, I don't really care about birthdays. Like, I don't want to see anybody. Like, it's just not really a priority. I'm only focused on passing the baby R. Of course, you know the family. Like, they're not going to go let somebody's birthday, not the queen's birthday, pass by without some sort of uh, party. And and really, they kept it pretty low-key. Like, I know the Kardashians. Like, they love their Armenian food from that restaurant, Carousel. They get the same cake from the same place. I can't remember the name, but it's everybody gets the same cake from the same place. In that way, they're very normal. <laughs> you know, like, in that way, it's like, okay, well, let's just get out the normal stuff that we get for their birthday we know she likes it and we'll just like do a little thing just a quick thing lala will show up she's not doing anything else so you know let's do it so there was a lot of kim without makeup on which i have to say good on you girl Uh, to me like you know body posy all of that stuff wear makeup if you want to but if i paid money like kim was a beautiful girl you know but like you know she's had like 5011 faces at this point. This face is great. We saw it with not a stitch of makeup or at least like it was made to look like there was no makeup. <laughs> um, but if I had paid that much money to look that good naturally, I would never wear makeup. She looked great, guys. At some point during the lunch, they get into a conversation about big dick energy versus big ball energy. And um, Chloe seems to think that big ball energy is a thing but when she asks people in like her glam team is doing her makeup while she's sitting in the interview chair and she's like what do you guys prefer big dick energy or big ball energy and they're like girl big ball energy is not a thing what are you talking about (laughs) like even those yes men couldn't couldn't uh sign on co-sign for that one um but the only reason why i'm mentioning this is because they were like clearly you know We all know who Mr. Big Dick Energy is. And I thought it was funny how they kept asking Courtney what she feels about BDE in interviews. And she was like, oh, you know, like, I enjoy it. I enjoy that energy. And I'm thinking, like, one thing about Courtney and I that I know for sure that we have in common is that, like, she likes the the BD. She likes the energy and the actuality of it. And I've seen Travis, Okay. And we've all seen um, several pictures of Scott with uh, sweatpants on. So I see you, girl. And I enjoy that energy as well. (laughs) Here's where we start getting um, 
I rather started getting validation on what I've been saying about the state of Courtney and Travis. And I just feel like y'all got it. Well, somebody, the general y'all, the universe y'all has to put some respect on my name because I said this shit that this relationship makes me uncomfortable. It's weird. Travis is a known love bomber and it's going to be like hot, 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 hot. And then it's going to get weird real quick. Okay. And this is where we're going. So Courtney does a scene with Chris and she was talking about um first of all Chris sits down she puts her she sits down on the couch she puts her purse on the coffee table her phone starts ringing inside the purse and she's like she just stares at her purse and's like you know what I'm really comfortable I can't be bothered <laughs> Chris Jenner is a horrible person okay I mean not that that makes her horrible but it just you know you know we all know um so Courtney is like oh you know like I, something happened to me and oh uh, because Chris asked about her ring her new engagement ring she's like oh well I don't want to hi- I have to hide it because something really bad happened so Chris is like what happened because she's like this is probably the worst thing that I've ever done in my whole life so she tells Chris like you know I was folding clothes I was on the floor and Chris is like yeah yeah get to the point basically she was folding clothes she put the she took her engagement ring off put it next to her kind of forgot about it and then when she stood up she stood up on the ring and it broke. Okay. Um, she said that she spent hours in her closet crying, afraid of telling Travis that she was just like, you know, he, he picked it out. He said that the stone that he chose was like me and a stone. And I just was so nervous to tell him and like, baby, first of all, several things you spent hours crying over a ring girl I feel like in the hours that you spent crying you're rich as fuck that ring could have been fixed and he would have been none the wiser also like I get it like that sucks your ring broke but it's not like the end of the world you didn't flush it down the toilet you still have it just fix it so to me it's like why was she so nervous to tell him that like it's just giving very odd And so here's my thing, like, obviously, Courtney is pivoting. Is that the right word? Kind of. She's like swinging from one end of the spectrum to the other because she got this relationship where she was in this relationship with Scott, where she never really got what she wanted. She was never as present as she wanted him to be. He was never as sober as she wanted him to be. He was never, um, you know, emotionally available. All these things that she wanted from him that he could never or would never deliver on. And then we have this guy who you know, snakes his way into your life and he's love, 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 giving you all the intention, all like, just like, he's always there. And it's just like a total opposite of Travis. And I get why she would be attracted to that. But I also think that she is in a bubble and some bubbles are okay. I want this bubble that Courtney is to be burst and I think it will be and I think it'll be actually be really sad for her like I don't want Travis to like I don't want this to be a bad relationship for her but I just feel like I it's so intense the stakes are so high and I don't get it okay so then it gets weird to weirder Chris then tells Courtney that 
Travis had told her he intentionally moved to Calabasas to be near her like years ago. Then he moved to Calabasas because he was so in love with Courtney. He just wanted to be near her and he didn't know if they would ever be in a relationship, but he just wanted that proximity to her. Oh, okay. Mm. Chris is positioning this as though it's like the most romantic shit she's ever heard. I think it's weird. I think it's really weird. And it's also, let the record reflect, not too unlike what Kanye did with Kim. And we all saw how that ended. Like, the fact that, like, in the initial stages of Kimye, they, Kanye would talk about, like, you know, I found this girl, I asked who Kim Kardashian was, because he didn't know how to pronounce her name at the time. And, like, basically he did everything he could to get her in his grip. And it happened. And to me personally there is I do go up for effort make no mistake but this is a lot this is like really intense so then Chris tells Courtney that maybe now would be the time to have the conversation with Scott but she's like not willing to have it in the years of watching keeping up Courtney is not really confrontational she especially when it comes to Scott like she just would rather avoid it rather than get to it. And I understand, but gosh, it's such a complicated thing because I know that people watch this episode and we're really feeling some type of way about Scott. And we're also feeling some type of way about Kendall um, during the engagement episode, asking Courtney, like, do you feel bad about Scott at all? Because it seems like you don't. Um, my thing is, like, I we have to have, like, a real innate understanding of Scott's role in the family and how these people basically, like, we're not really thinking. So while I am often on Courtney's side, I'm also, like, not <laughs> because of the dynamic that's, like, here's the thing. If this was just where I disagree with Courtney with regard to having a conversation about her marriage with Scott is that they have kids. So yeah, I think when she has people ask her like, Oh, are you going to have a conversation with Scott? I think she, in her mind thinks that this is going to be like the big, you know, the talk conversation, like the, the closure conversation. And she doesn't want to do that. Um, I think Travis is factoring a lot into that as well. Um, but I also feel like you guys do have kids You guys seem to be pretty involved in the kids. He is going to be their stepfather. Um, And also, like, you guys have created this dynamic. Has Courtney been the only person? No. Chris, definitely Chloe, Kim, like, everybody else in the family has been very supportive of Scott and let him think, like, you're going to be in this family forever. Nothing's going to change. And things have changed. The times they are changing. And now they have to deal with that because you guys set up a precedent like he was going to be forever in this family and now you're having to like pussy pop your way out of that and it it, you know I, I wonder how much of that is fair to him given his history and you know all of that so Courtney says you know I feel like I'm in a fairy tale and I just like have all these new memories that I want to have without Scott which is perfectly fair and he doesn't need to be involved in her life 
But I do think there is, given this very unique situation, a conversation that I think would actually be very helpful to both of them, like, and avoiding it and acting like it's not necessary is untrue. We also got our first little, uh, little um, titters if you will, about Pete and the Pete Davidson of it all. And Courtney and Kim are having a conversation about how Courtney actually wanted to be in law school uh, when she was in college. And Kim is like, how did we go all these years? And I didn't know that. And then Courtney's like, you know, I do feel kind of like our lives mirror each other's, but like Kim, your life, like I have these events happen and then like you have them happen like later in life. And Kim mentioned something like, oh, are you talking about like my taste in men or something like that? So then Courtney asks, what's going on with Kanye? Kanye, And Kim talks about how Kanye went on some gentleman's podcast and was basically like, oh, um, SNL made Kim say that we were divorced during the up- opening monologue. Like they, like they forced her to do that in order to like make him look bad but he hadn't even he's really like they play the clip on the show actually and it was just so like selective information that makes him look like the victim the truth of the matter is like SNL's not gonna force her to do anything like we saw her working on the opening monologue and he's really tripping over the fact that like she said we're divorced rather than I filed for divorce and for him to go on that podcast and be like, I haven't even seen any papers. Kim is talking to Courtney in real time. It's like, he knows I filed. He let her file. Why is he now acting like, Oh, this is a, some fake thing. The papers have been pending. The reason why you guys are not divorced, Kanye, is because of you, because you refuse to sign the papers. So to then be like, oh, they made her say that we're not actually getting a divorce. It's like, no, you are. Or you would be divorced right now if you sign the papers. So I just feel like he was really getting off on a technicality. And then Kim said something I think that was pretty interesting. And... So first she says, like, I don't really know what the holdup is with the divorce papers. Like, sometimes he's okay with it. And then other times he's like, I don't want to get a divorce. But like, you know, obviously she's over him at this point. But she does make a good and interesting thing. Comment, which is she gets in an interview chair and she says, you know, I don't say a lot of negative things about Kanye because of we're not on the same playing field in terms of she has a show and she has the platform of the show and he doesn't right but on the other hand she kind of points out the hypocrisy of the situation and says you know if I were to say something about Kanye on our show it comes off as like me being like a, a bitch and whatever People talk shit about me, but when Kanye uses our relationship in his music, people act like he's such a genius and like, this is art. And she's like, you know, it's the same thing. It's like two sides are being prevent presented in two different ways, but one of those ways is respected and the other one isn't. 
And I think that is truly an excellent point for all of those people who go on to Kanye's, you know, when he was having his uh, moment not too long ago, people going on to his comments and be like, uh, Kanye West is a goat, no cap. Like, you know, really gassing him up. And anytime Kim says something, it's like, oh, why, why? You know, like, that's not fair. And it's like, well, yeah, like he gets to use his medium. She should be able to get to use hers. And then this is where it really gets fucked up for me. So Kim keeps talking about how, you know, Kanye took over her styling. And now that they're breaking up, she's kind of like out on her own, right? And and this sounds like so arbitrary, but listen to this, you guys. This is like so mean. Kim starts talking about how she started to get panic attacks because she's been so reliant on Kanye for like everything every decision in her life but especially excuse me her fashions and then she tells Courtney you know he styled all my looks for like SNL that whole you know period of time but then after SNL she stayed in New York to do a uh, an appearance or an event for the Wall Street Journal and she wore this like black leather outfit not styled by Kanye right she says that Kanye texted her and said that her career was going to be over and that she, and then sent her pictures of Marge Simpson in a similar outfit. Like that is fucking mean. And this is a woman that you're like acting like, oh, I'll move heavens and earth to, I want my family and I want my wife and I just want her back. Like that is how you react. Like, and this is to me, it's like, it's the intention behind it like it's mean on its surface but it's also like we just heard Kim say that this is like a real um insecurity for hers and so he had to know that like I'm sure they had conversations about like oh you know like I'm just really scared and stuff and like, like I said like all this is about fashion it seems very silly but like if your wife is saying I'm insecure about this one thing. And then you text her to basically be like, oh, you look like a fucking clown. And basically like you need me. Like that's abusive, right? Like I said, there were various clips of Kendall in Miami that they clearly just had to throw in because she went there after Astroworld, right? I I don't really want to talk about it because it was such a throwaway. Like, but I did have a question of Dave, Dave Grutman. Dave Grutman, if you guys don't know, is a businessman. He owns uh, nightclubs, just an all-around entrepreneur, right? Like, this man is middle-aged. So riddle me this. Why is it? Like, I understand that Hollywood's a weird world and celebrity world is like has these strange friendships and pairings. And I know that David Grutman has been a friend of the family for so long, but... I also find it very strange that my, that uh, Kendall and Haley would need to go to his penthouse apartment while we see his little kids running around and his wife to get IV drips. He didn't even get one. Like one of those vitamin drips. Why did they have to go to his house to get it? was so weird. <laughs> like in what world does this man need to be like oh you know what um cancel my 12 o'clock Kendall and Haley fucking Bieber are gonna go over to put some uh vitamin c through an IV drip like what (laughs) it just didn't make any sense but anyway um yeah Kendall was talking about how like she had COVID two months prior 
and the COVID itself wasn't bad, but she apparently has these long COVID uh, symptoms and okay, there really was nothing there. (laughs) Moving on to this lunch date that Scott and Chris go on. So it's like Chris's birthday week. Her birthday is going to be on Friday. Her birthday would have been on Friday, right? So let's say they went to lunch on like a Monday, Tuesday. Just like a diner in LA, like very casual, nothing special, right? Definitely not something that Kris Jenner would do for her birthday, right? So Scott's asking about her birthday, what her plans are. And she's like, well, um, you know the grandkids aren't going to be there. It's just going to be my kids coming over. And, you know, I just moved into my house. And so uh, they're going to just walk through the house. And, you know, we're just going to have a dinner. Like, no big deal. Like, totally downplaying this whole situation. Scott's like, why wasn't I invited? She's like, well, this is our birthday lunch. She's like, this? (laughs) Like, no, it's not. Like, you're lying to me. Like, this is Cap. Like, what's going on here? So, the, obviously, this is a conversation about, like, I'm being iced out of the family because Courtney is with Travis now. So, when K- Chris says, I kind of feel like I'm cheating on Courtney with you, he says um, something along the lines of, like, you told me when my parents died that I was like your blood son. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And she's like, well, I did say that, and it's true. And he's like, so why are you icing me out? So in an interview, Scott's like, Chris is just trying to get one over me on right now. Like she keeps changing the goalposts. This went from like a casual walk through my new house and a dinner to now a catered evening um, by Nobu (laughs) as he comes to find out. And he is like really annoyed and tells Chris, like, how would you feel if I invited everybody, the family, but you to somewhere? And and I think that's mean. And when Chris says, I don't have a mean bone in my body, Scott says, you do. You could tell that pissed Chris the fuck off, but she literally just said that she didn't have a mean bone in her body, so she couldn't say anything (laughs) except for, well, that was shady. So I'm going to finish this part really quickly because this has already gone on way longer than I expected. So Kim is wandering around. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Just like one studio apartment size room 
closet after the other like one room just for like fucking Birkins okay one dressing room that looks like a kith store um all neutrals a whole room for colored clothes and um khaki colored clothes it's just like unbelievable but anyway she's struggling and at the outset it sounds like really shallow to be like oh here's Kim doing a scene about how like worried she is to um dress herself but there's a larger picture here. And I thought she brought up something interesting, which is that, you know, as a, as Kim Kardashian, she was Kim Kardashian of the Kardashians. And then she was Kim of Kimye. And as an adult, she really hasn't stepped into her own as herself, which is very interesting for somebody who has, you know, made an entire brand off of themselves. But the other part of that is that she clearly realizes what we've, been saying for quite a while which is that Kanye has been playing Barbies with her for the better part of a decade and she hasn't really had to make decisions for herself and that's scary. Scott comes in while she's uh, trying on some outfits and he's being really encouraging with Kim and telling her how beautiful she is and um, you know all the stuff and uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So Kim was trying to find looks for a couple events, one of them being her friend Simon's wedding. Simon's gay, so you'll be marrying a man, okay? And so she is going to be doing a speech at the reception, and she's like, well, Scott's like, well, it should be no big deal because you did SNL. And she's like, yeah, that's exactly why, like, the pressure's on, right? So she gives him an idea of one of her jokes, and it was something along the lines of, um, I really love gay weddings um but i haven't been to one since my second wedding (laughs) oh (laughs) well damn well damn kim okay um i wonder how chris humphreys feels about that i don't care i don't wonder what chris humphreys thinks about anything let's not make any mistake about that so um like i said scott's being super encouraging and he is like you're worried about your style. I can tell you right now what you're going to do or what you should be doing. She's like, okay, what, it, what is my style? He's like, you're going to get a butt ass tight Missoni dress on some big ass heels with that big ass hanging out and you'll be looking fire. And you know what? He's absolutely right. Let's get Kim K back in her bandage dress days. I want her wearing bright colors. I want her to bring back, like if we're going to bring back the 2000s, let's bring back the bandage dress and let's bring back um, those like chunky platform heels. The early stages Kim Kardashian, like let's just do it. Let's just see what happens. That bandage dress really had a chokehold on uh, the white celebrity women and the black ones, frankly, for quite some time. Next scene, you know, it's just a quick one. Chris is asking Courtney as they're doing a photo shoot for their show if she can invite Scott to her birthday party. Courtney says, you know, of course, I want your birthday to be whatever it is, whatever you want it to be. But then she says something along the lines of um, her only concern is the PDA. But she's not concerned in the way that, like, we as Americans and really as a, a a world, a globe, have all been concerned. She's like, well, I, you know, um, Travis is just really authentic. <laughs> He's a really authentic person and he likes to be able to, you know, like, shove my t- his tongue down my throat. And, you know, that's just really the only thing I'm concerned about. What she was concerned about was being too handsy in front of Scott. Like, 
And the fact that, like, Travis isn't going to be able to, like, fully... Maybe he'll just grab one ass cheek instead of both of them. (laughs) She has no perspective as to, like, how uncomfortable she and Travis are making people be. And, oh my god, it comes up later. So, everybody goes to Chris's for her birthday. We're seeing her brand new house. It's interesting. You know, as... We're used to that whole Kardashian area of the, like the black and white checked floors and like everything's just like super white. This was very different. It didn't seem like Chris to me, but I'm not her daughter. Chloe says that it's so fabulous and she keeps gushing over her like how fabulous and rich Chris is. I'm like, girl, you're worth more money than her. Like, why are you acting like your mother is Zsa Zsa Gabor? <laughs> not making sense to me. But everybody gets Sarah Scott ends up going to the party. Travis and uh, Courtney get there first. <sighs> who who gets there first first is actually Ellen and Portia. I mean, these people have no perspective as to what the general public thinks about the celebrities that they hold high. Like, let's really think about all the people that have been on the show so far. Amy Schumer. Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, who else was on it that I was like, oh, my God, she has no idea. I can't remember, but I mean, just like the people who she, Kim, and really all of them. I mean, Lord. Anyway, um, so Ellen and Portia get there and I have to say they play an important part because they are, Ellen has like no desire to uh, act like there's not an elephant in the room. She is somebody who will see an awkward situation and turn it up a notch, really turn up the heat on that situation. So um, they're going through the house, getting a house tour. I have to say that one part that I was actually like, ooh, this is like truly, okay, Chloe, I'm on your side, is that they go into a China closet, okay? A China room, really. Like, you know how your mom or your grandma has like the China cabinets and they're just like, lame and they're not interested like I have no interest in China I didn't even know that people like actively still collected them I think it's pretty much a rich person thing but she had this room and it had maybe like a dozen different China sets and I don't know something about it was just so visually stimulating to me like I said I don't give a fuck about fine China but it was just like it looked like walking inside a Williams Sonoma or um, Martha Stewart's vagina. Like it just felt like warm, welcoming, rich, like a lot of things, elegance happening. <sighs> it was really a lot. And I, again, I don't know why I loved it so much. It was my favorite part of the house. <laughs> so anyway, everybody's going through. Oh, and she also had this uh, refrigerator, you guys, that made Yolanda Foster Hadid's look like a food pantry like your local community food bank I mean just greens lush greens nothing but like I mean I can't even imagine how much Chris and Corey are not consuming that many vegetables I know that to be true (laughs) I know that to be true but more on that uh refrigerator later so like I said it's super uncomfortable um Scott walks in and he's trying to play the cool guy but like I was clocking what he was doing. So as soon as he walks in, he makes this big fuss about Chris and I got you this gift and I want you to open in front of me because it was, it's very personal, right? Like just 
pissing right over to staking his claim, right? Just like a dog in front of a fire hydrant, right? And and I saw right through it, and it was funny to me, honestly. Clearly, you could tell that Courtney and Travis were uncomfortable, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, like I said, it was just weird. He daps Travis up and says congratulations, and he says congratulations to Courtney. And really no drama happened. It was just like Ellen being like, oh my God, is something going to happen? This is awkward, you guys. This is awkward for you. It's awkward for me. <laughs> so at one point, they're all sitting down for dinner. Uh, people are starting to sit down for dinner. And at the table, it's just Chris, Corey, Ellen, and Portia. Maybe a couple other people. Oh, Rob was also there. We didn't see him. He was sitting literally right next to Chris. You could barely make out the outline of his Dodgers cap. Mm. So they're waiting for everybody to join the table. And so they're in the dining room. And the dining room spills right into Chris's living room. So if you're at the dining room, you could see right in there, okay? Literally in the middle of the living room, Travis and Courtney are having a moment that is so intimate. <laughs> and Ellen and Portia are just watching them like, is this normal? Has this happened before? Like, imagine all of the things that these celebrities have seen in their lives. And to watch Courtney and Travis, like, I mean... Honestly, like this, <laughs> the kiss, you could see his tongue from far away. It was like, I'm going to give you a preview of what I'm going to be doing to your vagina later. Like I, <laughs> it was off of the charts. So uncomfortable. And then Courtney has the audacity to say in an interview that that was like light work for them. And she didn't know that anybody was uh, watching. How could you? He was literally halfway down your trachea. Um, but also that like they were keeping it cute. I, I mean, just like thinking about this again is like making me uncomfortable. Ellen blushed. Okay. And I'm about to blush. And then if they couldn't get achy enough, once they do sit down, Courtney turns to Travis and is like, um, babe, what do you want to drink? Like, do you think we should have red wine or sake? I'm sorry. Do you guys have to consume the same drink? Do you share it? You know, this is your mother's house. Like, you don't have to split the wine. This isn't like you're not paying for a damn thing. Oh, my God. Why do you guys have to drink the same thing? What, like, why would that even be a question? <laughs> what are we going to drink? tonight I don't fucking know like unless we're splitting a bottle of wine but that wasn't the case ew ugh, ick ick so anyway Kendall's still in Miami and so she calls her mom because she wasn't there right remember what I said um so she's like hey mom uh what was the vibe for your birthday that was literally her question and so Chris tells her about Scott and Travis and how like kind of awkward it was and Kendall, again, is, like, standing up for Scott and, you know, is, like, I've known Scott since before the show even started. He's practically a blood brother to me. And I have to imagine, like, Quiet as it's kept is probably more of a brother to her than her actual brothers, I would think. Um, 
then there's another quick clip of Chloe and Malika getting lunch again just they're just like let's play every scene where Chloe is gushing over this man that gave her true and how he's been to therapy he's done the work they're best friends nothing's better I can't imagine we're so happy we're getting along oh my god oh Jesus I'm getting faint just thinking about it then she mentions that I guess Tristan got into some sort of altercation um, during a basketball game that required him to get stitches in his tongue. And, you know, I don't have much to say about this. I will just let the universe and the Bible, okay, speak for me. Um, you know, the universe has a way of sending you messages. They start with a whisper and then they end with a bang. So it's really curious to me that uh something like that would happen to him because lord knows his tongue has gotten him in trouble <sighs> among other things um and then i feel like the bible says something about like uh every tongue um and lying and what happens to tongues when they lie i think there's something in there about that but anyway um last scene kendall comes back to la and we get the scene that's been viral since the episode dropped okay kendall versus cucumber and you know what? The cucumber one. Okay. And we all lost. We all lost. So if you guys haven't seen the clip, it's like I said, been viral. If you haven't seen it, let me close your eyes. If you are not driving and, and let me like paint the scene for you. Okay. Um, so Kendall walks in, she walks into that gorgeous green refrigerator of Chris's and says that she's going to make herself a little snack, right? A little veggie situation. And she takes a cucumber out of the refrigerator and is going to chop it up. And Chris says, uh, do you want the chef to help you with that? And she's like, no, like I can do it. Totally fine. So when you're going to chop a cucumber, okay, I'm right-handed. What I would do is probably, um, hold the cucumber down with my left hand and then chop it with my right. Okay. Even if I was left-handed, I think I would just hold the cucumber down with my right hand and chop with my left. Correct. I don't know. Kendall seems like she would be left-handed just to add more complication to her whole whatever the hell she's doing. But she just has left-handed energy. And, like, that's no insult to, like, anybody who's left-handed, okay? But, like, once I said it, I think you would agree. Um, so she takes, she just, like, tries to just, like, cucumber just on the cutting board, right? And she just tries to chop it with one hand. Kendall baby and then when she realized that that wasn't gonna work she she's chopping it with her right hand or attempting to and you know it's rolly and so she tries to she puts her left hand over the right hand to hold the other side of the cucumber while she's chopping with her right hand like it doesn't make any sense i would just admonish you to just look at the clip it's insane it's insane. And I know that I went to, I watched her architectural digest and she walked us through that beautiful kitchen and she was talking about how she and her friends love to cook. And that's like their thing. And this is like so great. Baby. Like nothing about that made sense. It wasn't even bad cooking. It was just like, baby, do you have a lick of common sense? Homegirl almost lost her finger. Maybe several. And what was that going to do for her modeling career? Hmm. I don't know. Kendall. <laughs> then she realizes how stupid she's being. And she looks at the camera and is like, don't get me chopping this. I, I don't need to be made fun of any more than I already have. And they're like, well, too late, girl. Okay, so this all ends. Scott comes over in a big fight. So 
Chris and Kendall are back having lunch or whatever. And Scott comes over and he's on one. Like I said, uh, Kendall's birthday is right around the same time as Chris's, right? So he was like, oh, what did you do for your birthday? Um, you know, I saw that you had something at your house and she had like a night at the club, right? So first she says, or maybe Chris says like, oh, nothing happened. He's, I'm trying going to try to break it down. It sounded like Kendall was going to have like an intimate birthday dinner at her house with just her friends and that she also was going to have this club night with her friends. Like she was just planning on doing shit with her friends and not including the family. Um, but then she says that I guess Courtney went to one of those events. And so she ended up inviting the rest of the family, not Scott. Um, and so this is what Scott's seeing. So Scott's now seeing all of the whole family hanging out with Kendall and he wasn't invited. So Kendall's trying to explain to him this, but he's like not trying to hear it because he's like, well, first you're saying this about that night. And then you're saying this about that night. And you're, he basically calls her a liar. So Kendall, you know, slams her cucumbers. Did all that work to chop the cucumbers. And it's like, you know what? Fuck this, Scott. Like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to get into it with you. I'm the one out of anybody who's been advocating for you. Um, the night that Courtney got engaged, I asked her how you factored into it. Like, don't even do this to me. Basically, like, <laughs> I'm not trying to hear it from you. And Scott looks stupid, frankly. I mean, he's a grown ass man arguing with at 20 something about why he wasn't invited to her night at Bootsy Bellows or whatever. Like it's giving sad and desperate, but I also feel bad for him. Like Scott's got a lot of issues and it's not really anybody's responsibility. It definitely isn't anybody's responsibility, but there are times where I feel empathy for him because at the end of the day, he doesn't have a family and I feel very strongly that he was made a lot of promises by Chris and Chloe, Kendall, probably other members of the family that like, oh, we're, you're always going to be in our family. We love you so much, blah, blah, blah. And really, like, they should not have done that. Like, they should have just kept it cute and stayed out of uh, the relationship. But they didn't. They didn't. And Chloe mentioned this, too, at some point in the episode of like, I feel like I'm having to navigate these Courtney and Scott's relationship more than I would if this were my actual relationship. Like I'm doing a lot of work for other people's not relationship and it just seems exhausting. So I am very curious to see how this all shakes out. I am, you know, I heard a blind item that unfortunately Scott's like, not doing so hot, which, you know, sadly is not the biggest surprise. Um, but I hope he's well. I hope everybody.